Director of Alpern, the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. Uh, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio was just walking by uh, where I'm currently where I'm currently stationed, uh, the Conservatory Cafe or near the Conservatory Cafe uh, in the Gaylord Opryland Resort uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, where the winter meetings are currently go on. Uh, the, the guest in question is Jonah Carey, who, as I say, uh, was just coming back from a workout. Uh, I'm sitting here at a table at a cafe table with Fangraph CEO uh, and founder David Appleman. We happen to see Jonah Carey walking by. Of course, a former writer uh, for Fangraphs here covering uh, covering the event for Grantland. And, uh, and Jonah, who uh, will uh, will talk uh, if you get him started, uh, was kind enough to, to stop by and talk to us about uh, his use uh, his use at the fan, at the the winter meetings. Uh, uh, his book that he's writing about the Montreal Expos, which is due out, looks like maybe a little over a year from now, and uh, I guess Montre- being being from Montreal, etc. Anyway, uh, it's 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 about uh, what's about to follow. That's it's going to be Jonah Carey. I mean, you you know him, you heard of him. He used to write for Fangraphs, now he writes for Grandland. Uh, Jonah Carey is uh, is ubiquitous on the uh, baseballing internets, the baseballing internet. So let's. I'm going to stop talking, but I will tell you that this is uh, Fangraphs audio. Of course, it's uh, Jonah Carey uh, live on tape. From the winter meetings, and it begins right now. Right. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, I just talked to in the mic. It's yeah, like I have, I think. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Let me just make sure it's not too. It's a hot it's mic. The Blue Yeti. Yeah, it's a Blue Yeti. You have a Blue Yeti? I have a Blue Yeti. I got the idea from Kevin Goldstein. And does he use a Blue Yeti? Yes. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's, I think it's the ratio of, uh, actually my new podcast, I don't use a Blue Yeti anymore. I use a Grandland approved one, but my old one, yes. But it's, uh, I think, uh, it's economical for what you, for the quality. 100% it is. Yeah. It wasn't expensive at all. So we got Jonah Carey here. Uh, Jonah, we, you understand how we are in Fangraphs Audio. I mean, we just, we jump right in. I'm okay with that. I'm literally sweating coming back from the gym. Yeah, I suppose right. that's a gym brag, but that's okay. Is that? A, I don't know if that's a. Is, do people brag about the gym? Is that? I don't know. I mean, I smell disgusting and look disgusting, so you know that's awesome. This is your uh, what number? So uh, first of all, I apologize to the listener because I'm not a sound man. So whatever, whatever you get is what you're getting. Uh, Ambient noise of other people's conversations. Yeah. Um, what number uh, winter meeting is this for you? This is my third. I went to one when I was with Baseball Prospectus years ago in Anaheim. Yeah. Didn't for many years and then went back when I started with Grantland last year. And I was in Dallas. And this is my first one at, uh, what did I call this? The Christmas Arboretum Cotillion is what I refer to this <laughs> hotel. It's just those, those three words are all in the mix. I believe uh, uh, Zachary Levine I saw on Twitter uh, referred to it as Redneck Xanadu. That's a little more judgmental than I would go, but I'm Canadian. He's not. So. No, that's right. You're, you got to be polite at all times. Right. It's actually in your DNA, I believe. It is. <laughs> that and I could turn into a lizard at any time. That's a Canadian thing? That's more of a Spider-Man thing. But oh, know. yeah. Do you have a... I mean, this is what we're doing right now. Yes. This is hot podcast action. I think that's pretty clear. It is. Not just that, but because this microphone, they were at a small table. I'm literally two inches. We could basically kiss right now. Right. And uh, and uh, maybe we just did. No one's going to know. Right. <laughs> but uh and you're sweating. I am. What are we uh, what sort of workout are we have going on? Do I have to go to I don't know. I ran on the treadmill, I lifted some weights, I came back, I don't know. This is, we're on the front lines of the winter meetings because this is what I'm starting to learn about the winter meetings. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that uh, certainly for me, mm-hmm. no one is handing Carson Sestouli scoops. 
I don't really have scoops. Are people handing Jonah Carey scoops? Not really. I was actually. It's a very interesting topic. If we're gonna get serious for a minute, yeah, let's do it. Um, it would probably help my job in some ways if I had scoops, and I do know a few, not many, but a few people right. in front offices who would probably talk candidly. But there's sort of um, there's a couple things going on. First of all, even if it's someone you think you know well, who knows what their agenda is to leak stuff to you? You never know. Right. And secondly, I think that because I write basically as an outsider the way that you or, or Dave Cameron or anybody else would, it, it can cloud things a little bit. And so I just, I almost tried to remove myself from it. I was talking to Dave Cameron earlier and he said, oh, I heard so-and-so from so-and-so. Yeah. And we were just discussing the pros and cons of should you even know or if you're being an analyst, should you just remove it, wait for someone terrific like Buster Olney or Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman to report it and then you jump in after. Right. And so, yeah, I guess the question is like, what is the value? What for you? Yeah. And and answer this in as many different ways as you want. Mm-hmm. As, as you want. And at, at some level, you have to prove this to your employer. I know. But what is the value added for you being here? No, it's it's a very good question. I mean, it is possible to report this from your couch. And mm-hmm. I know that people like uh, Aaron Gleeman from Hardball Talk, for instance, Craig Calcaterra is here. Aaron's not, but they're both. Aaron Gleeman rarely leaves that couch. Fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, look. There's no getting around the fact that a lot of the value of this is the networking, for mm-hmm. sure. It's not that I'm trying to get a job from someone. It's that by building industry ties with whoever, with I've seen scouts, I've seen some front office people I know, certainly some other writers, it just establishes some relationships. Now, I just said that those relationships are poisonous. Don't listen to anybody. Right. But they have benefits, too. But but you're right. I mean, you can, because of this digital age and because if you're really glomming on to what Buster only writes, it is possible to do this from your couch, right. certainly. I'd also suggest, though, because we're in this digital age and frequently we don't meet the people with whom we're interacting. I know, for example, uh, going on to the Arizona trips for fan graphs, mm-hmm. it's hard to quantify the value. But I know just... Having met, for example, Mike Exisa, yes, and and having met David Appleman and Dave Cameron, you just know from corresponding with them, you have a sense of who that other person is. You have a sense of what tone you could strike. It adds a, a certain humanity. It lends a certain humanity to something that just by by definition, because you're only corresponding via you know electronic means, that you don't have. I totally agree with that, 100%. I'm very much a social person, and it's it's great for me to do this. If I travel to New York, I know some people there. I say, hey, let's all go out for a drink. And Mm -hmm. so I like to do this wherever I go. This is everybody, so it's great. I think there are a couple of other things that work just for me personally. One is my posting schedule. I don't post 10 times a day. It's usually maybe four times a week, and it's longer. Here it's maybe three, four times a day, a little bit shorter. This is a good excuse for it. He's here. Let's report on some stuff. And there will be some scene stuff. I'll probably talk about Redneck Xanadu mm-hmm. in detail in one of my posts when it's a slow news time. And, and like maybe maybe after you're done, or was that like a thing I, you might do? I did a little bit at the beginning, maybe a little bit after. Maybe you know it's Wednesday at two o'clock and there's just no signing, so I'll just say a little bit on what's like, and I'll post a Twitter a picture or whatever. And I think the other thing, to be honest with you, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. It's a little bit of a carrot. I think that you know for someone like me. I think my employer understands that there is a benefit to me and I'm happy and it's mm-hmm. fun and I'm going to go out at night with people that I like. All right, you know, we'll, he'll do some hard work for us during the day and then this is a little bit of a benefit to him too. I think of it that way. Maybe people have done it for 30 years think of it as a chore. I, it's a lot of fun for me. Well, I know in, in Dave Cameron has a lot of virtues, but what he said, because David Appleman, who's uh, actually... sitting very far from us. <laughs> we should I say, can kiss him too. <laughs> he's uh, sitting at the table with us. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, he uh, he was like, yeah, you should come. And uh, Dave Cameron was like, well, you probably wouldn't like it. And I was like, 
Yeah, but I want to go. Yeah. I want to go because it is – I think there is a, there's a quality of spectacle about it, especially for a generation of writers who have entered the discipline electronically. Yes. And you, there's not that social aspect. So when I go into the office, I don't see Dave Cameron. When I go into the office, I see my wife across the room. Right. You know, and uh, she's terrific. But if she's not a – She's no Dave Cameron. She's no <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and, and that's all true. I mean, I can – when I got here yesterday, yeah. I was – there's a couple of areas. There's these common areas where you see lots of people. There's a bar not far from us. Yeah. Shocker, writers, a bar. And literally I saw 13 or 14 people that I know from the industry. And some of them are, you know, fangrass, baseball perspective. Right. People of our cohort, and it's fine. And I saw Jerry Krasnick and Rich Griffin and people like that. Yeah. And they've, this is so old hat for them that I didn't know what to do. But because I'm such an enthusiastic guy, I just said, hey. And they yeah. were actually friendly. But I always don't know if it's – I never know if it's off-putting to them because, you know, I'll see them at press boxes and I don't really do that because right. this is their job and they do it all the time. I'm in a press box 30 or 35 times a year. I'm at the stadium quite a bit, but I keep to myself. I feel like this does have a social element above and beyond a normal coverage area. Right, and I think – yeah, it, that's, it's interesting to – I asked that question about value added to say when you know people, what is the benefit? Right. And uh, that's – I mean, it's a question maybe without a definitive answer. You seem to think that there's enough – of a benefit to it to, to come to, to this? I think so. And you never know what's going to happen. The benefits, some of the benefits are obvious for your day-to-day job. But 10 years from now, I'm whatever. I'm a hermit, and I've been kicked out in disgrace of the industry yeah. or whatever, and I want to come back. Oh, and that kid that I you know talked to in the lobby for five minutes, he's now the general manager of the uh, <laughs> Montreal Maroons, the new expansion team. Uh-huh. And, boy, he'd love me to come be their PR guy. Yeah. I mean, that's a very self-serving answer. but. Yeah. On a personal level, you never know. Obviously, I'm doing this for Grantland, for my employer, and so forth. But sure, you get personal benefit out of it, too. Now, uh, uh, speaking of Montreal, are you working on some manner of book? Yes, I'm working on a book about the Montreal Expos. Do you want to promote the crap out of it? Well, it's not coming out for like 14 months or more, more, yeah. 16 months. But, uh, I mean, I could just relate that on a personal level. It's super cool to be, like, calling up Rusty Staub. Yeah. And oh, uh, Le Grand Orange. Le Grand Orange. And he tells you these stories. And Ellis Valentine, who had a checkered career and, and uh, off-field stuff, and he just came around and, and just became this interesting guy and this community leader. And Tim Raines is my favorite player of all time, who I interviewed in his office. He was the manager of the Newark Bears, and he had his, like, pants unbuttoned in his manager's office. Just like, yeah, let's talk. Well, and that's actually the beginning of a rom- of a lusty romance this novel. This is all about <laughs> me with encounters on this podcast is what I'm finding. No, yeah. it, it's just – it's a joy. I mean, the writing is going to be hard. I'm not going to lie because I'm very – I try. I'm a perfectionist to some extent. I'm just. I got to whittle and whittle and get the material to be good. But just calling up someone and talking to them for an That's hour. That's the fun part. Oh my god, so fun! Do I you th- wish you could just be like, okay, uh, just transcribe that? That's the book. I well, would you read that book? So the fa- my favorite sports book of all time is The Glory of Their Times. Do you know? Are you familiar with that book? I'm not. No. It's a guy named Lawrence Ritter wrote it. It that was, sounds familiar. Okay, it's yeah. with it's basically straight interviews with old time players like the Dizzy Dean generation, right? Okay, and it was made into an audio book too, and it's just straight Q and A, and it's phenomenal right. because these guys are telling stories about they worked at a coal mine in the off season and so forth, and it's just great. I don't know that my interviewing skill is so great that I could tease out every little thing is fantastic from Brett Barbary. Right. I don't know if it's going to be that good. And I think that that's not quite the structure that I'm going for anyway. Right. But um, so there's going to be – I think there will be a little bit of straight oral history, to be honest. For instance, I envision a mini chapter. I don't think it's going to be a straight chapter book. It will look more like a Bill James abstract. 
maybe five pages will be Steve Rogers and Rick Monday faced each other for the right to go to the World Series in 1981. Steve Rogers grew the high fastball. Rick Monday hit it in over the, the wall. Dodgers went to the World Series. Expos missed their best chance. Right. I talked to both of them for like a combined five hours. I have so much material so I could whittle it down and just back and forth. It'll be great. Yeah. So that might be that. But then if I want to talk about the economics of the Expos failing, I can't do that on straight interviews. That's got to be some nuance and some context. And and I have some uh, business chops I could talk about it that way. So it's going to be everything. It'll have a little bit of let's get everything from, you know, whatever. Darren Fletcher versus let's do something more in depth. And here's another thing. Uh, This is slightly on a personal note. There's there's an element of self-interest to it. Yeah. Uh, my wife is a fluent French speaker. Okay. Uh, I, my French is poor. And we have had preliminary conversations, mm-hmm. uh, the way married couples do. Yeah. Um, with, with our, uh, teeth gritted and our, and our, uh, our, uh. Because of the French or because of the adversarial? Well, uh, just because we're married. Right. Yeah, we're married. Yeah, it's, I have uh, a happy marriage. I can't relate. Oh, uh, no, it's, uh, we're competitive. Okay. We're com- it's a competitive marriage and I. See, the trick to, to. I want to win. Diffusing a competitive marriage is yeah. you acknowledge that your wife is better than you are. Uh, which yeah, is yeah. clearly the case in you my know marriage. What? So many other people have acknowledged that she's better that I'm trying to fight that. Yeah, it's a hipster move. I hear you. Oh, <laughs> I got my soup bone right here. Yeah, soup bone. Um, so, so here's the question, though. Um, uh, we've we've uh, talked to say if it were ever possible, it would be great to at least try and live in Montreal. Oh, it's yeah. A great, it's a great bilingual city. Sure. You don't have kids, do you? We don't. Okay. Um, Not that that would be a drawback, but I mean, you're more. It mobile. would just be easier. Yeah. Right? But uh, here's the thing. It would be it would be great if if uh, baseball were to come back to Montreal. It would make it even that much more appealing. Yeah. And uh, my question is, do you have a sense of if that because because that was a great AAA town at one point. Yes. Well, if you're talking about any level of baseball, yes. I think that's a more realistic goal. I don't think Major League Baseball. I'd actually prefer any level as opposed to Major. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say never, but it, I, I, to me, it's unlikely that they're going to get Major League Baseball back. In the next several decades. Yeah. I think Major League Baseball, the league has too much of an institutional memory for that to happen, mm-hmm. aside from you need money in a stadium. But, uh, I mean, Warren Cromarty is leading a push to try to get some level of baseball back. And there was an Expos, an 81 Expos reunion in Montreal in June of this year. And Valentine Cromarty, Steve Rogers, uh, not Steve Rogers, Tim Raines, Brent Smith, Bill Gullicks, and all these guys showed up. And it was partially to honor Gary Carter, the late Gary Carter, and partially to make a push for baseball in Montreal. It would require some money, but we're not talking about $750 million. No, we're talking, I mean, like, I know, like, even just, uh, like, in Portland, which, yeah. of course, lost its AAA team. Yes. They just got a Northwest League team. Correct. Uh, and this is, this to me is fine. It's a, it's a, just a way, now, obviously, the Canadians are how Montrealers, mm-hmm. uh, Montrealois, how do they? Montrealers. Okay. This is how. Montreal, I guess, in French. Right. Yeah. This is how they go out and see, this is how they celebrate being from the city. Yeah. Or bemoan it. Depending right. on how the Canadians are doing, but um, there are no Canadians right now. Right, but it would be right, that, and that's another thing. Right, you need to have uh, multiple outlets, maybe, right. and uh, this is a way for Montrealers to go out and be Montrealers. No, I think that's fair. There's very much. A, I mean, I hear this said about a lot of cities. Oh, it's a bandwagon city. It's a party town. They only go when it's popular, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can confirm that in Montreal, it's got to be as much or more than any other town. It's really a place. What's happening? Where am I going? What's going on? And uh, the the younger population, especially, is driven by this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can remember growing up, you know, I'd go to the ballpark on a Tuesday night or whatever, and me and my buddies, and we'd be, if they weren't good, we'd be the only ones of our age that were there. Uh-huh. Whereas in 94, it was all young people. We were just packing the stadium, buying the cheap tickets, and doing whatever. So, yeah, I think that if it was, the novelty factor would drive it, and if it was in a good location, 
yeah. know, town, whatever. It could be sustainable, absolutely, in a I've, small ballpark. I've actually seen, I've been to, I went to a Can-Am doubleheader uh, in Quebec City. Oh. I saw Quebec, I saw both, I saw Eric Gagne nice. pitch, and I saw Pete LaForest hit two home runs in one Pete game. Pete LaForest. <laughs> Pierre Laforet. Yeah, uh, Quebec City is a beautiful city. I am going to tell you the dirtiest secret of my life. Not dirty in that way. Yeah. I have never been to Quebec City. I grew up in Montreal. Quebec City is, I don't know, two and a half, three hours away. For whatever reason, I never went on a school field trip. I moved away after college, so I didn't really, I wasn't an adult. I'll take my wife or whatever. I've never been. It's really beautiful. Of course it is. Everybody tells me that. It's It's so obvious. It's like, I don't know, you're in White Plains and you've never been to... Manhattan. It's right. like stupid. It doesn't right. make any sense. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I think you fulfilled your duty. Oh, well, that's good. Do you have, good. Do you have any uh, final messages for uh, listeners of Fangraphs Audio? Uh, just that they should continue to subscribe to Fangraphs Audio, which is uh, one of the two best baseball podcasts on earth. Oh, I'm curious. What's the other one you're thinking uh, about? I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Carson. <laughs> is it worth shaking hands? All right. Yeah. That's not That's not great audio. That's <laughs> not great audio. Yeah. You could clap hands, high yeah. five. I don't All know. Right. <laughs> 